Good evening, morning, afternoon, or midnight, ladies, gentlemen, and other people out there talking about you, mermaid aliens. Welcome to Paranormal Minds, where three friends discuss paranormal stuff most of the time. That's a strong statement. I I said most of the time. I said most of the time. (laughs) Also, I'm going to edit out. I'm talking to you, mermaid aliens, just so it just says you people. There are you other people, or whatever you say. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Anyways, you don't tell me about it. You just do it. Goodness. <laughs> I'm Tommy, and as always, I'm joined with my two best friends, Josh. Hello. And Shane. Salutations. Tonight, I'm going to go ahead and apologize right off the bat to our listeners because I, being. A person who has Mississippi education decided to pick a topic that takes place in Russia. And I'm going to butcher every Russian word, name, and all that. Um, so there's that. I apologize to anybody of Russian descent. And in fairness, you butcher most English words, too. That is true. true. That is true. But, you know, some people, they kind of, you know, they're just like, I'm rush. You know, he should know this. And it's like, no, I don't. Um, So. (laughs) But I'm talking about tonight, the uh, Dyatlov Pass incident. I butchered it already, didn't I? Dyatlov. That's how you pronounce it. Stop laughing. It's not funny. (laughs) Y'all are mean. He just said, stop laughing. (laughs) How do you spell it? It's D Y A T L O V P A S S I N C I D E N T. Just just slap him. (laughs) (laughs) I I did the pronouncing. Pronouncy. That was yeah. me getting ready to slap you. <laughs> I block. <laughs> <laughs> but, <clears throat> um, anyways, back on topic because I done lost my train of thought. I know, I know Josh has heard of it. Have you heard of the mm-hmm. Dyatlov Pass, Shane? Nope. Well, I'll just jump right into it. In 1959, Igor. Dyatlov, who is a uh, a 23-year-old radio engineer student at the Ural Polytechnical Institute in the Soviet Union, assembled a group of nine other students from the university to go on a trek. Each member of the group was an experienced grade two hiker with ski tour experience and they all would receive a grade three certification upon their return. So in the Soviet Union at that time, grade three was the highest certification available. All right. And in order to get a grade three, candidates would have to traverse 300 kilometers for the Americans out there. <laughs> that is 190 miles. Okay. Dyatlov's group designed the route to reach the far northern regions of the Serdlokvik, Serdlok, Olbas, and the upper uh, streams of the Levan River, is what I'm going to call it. 
So now the route was approved by the city of Savalklik. Uh, they confirmed a group of 10 people on January 8, 1959. The goal for the expedition was to reach a mountain 10 kilometers north of the site where the incident occurred. So this route, estimated as Category 3, was undertaken in February, which is the most difficult time to traverse. On the 23rd of January, 1959, the group was issued their route book. It listed their course as following the number five trail. At the time, the committee, physical culture and sports listed approval for 11 people. Uh, the 11th person listed was Simon Yevartor, who was previously certified to go with another expedition of similar difficulty. He wound up not going with them and decided to go with uh, Dyatlov instead. They set out on the 23rd to start headed out. They wound up in the Providence in the early morning where the hike was to actually begin on January 25th, 1959. Uh, they then took a truck to Vishaya, a Lori village that is the last inhabited settlement to the north. And uh, while spending a night, a night in the village, the skiers purchased and ate loaves of bread uh, to keep their energy levels up for the following day's hike. It should be known that Dyatlov developed his own personalized portable stove. All right, so they carried that, a tent big enough for all of them, multiple clothes, like multiple pairs of shoes, uh, socks. Yuri Yudin, he had several health ailments, congenital heart defect, and all this other stuff. So he wound up turning back due to knee and joint pain that made it unable for him to continue the hike. Diaries and cameras found along their last campsite made it possible to track the group's route up to the day preceding the incident. On the 31st of January, the group arrived at the edge of a highland area and began preparing to climb. And then in a wooded valley, they cached surplus food and equipment that would be used for the trip back. Then the next day, the hikers started to move through the pass. It seemed they planned to get over the pass and make camp for the next night on the opposite sides. But because of worsening weather conditions, snowstorms, and decreasing visibility, they lost their direction and deviated west towards the top. When they realized their mistake, the group decided to set up camp there on the slope of the mountain, rather than move 1.5 kilometers downhill to a forested area that would have offered some shelter from the weather. Yeldon speculated the love probably did not want to lose the altitude they had gained or he decided to practice camping on the mountain slope. Dyatlov was supposed to tell Yunda, the guy who left, give him an update on the 12th of February via radio. All right. When the 12th passed and no message had been received, they weren't concerned about it because he did say that he was expecting it to take a little bit longer. So there was no immediate reaction. But then after a few days, on the 20th of February, the traveler's relatives demanded a rescue operation, and the head of the institute sent the first rescue group consisting of volunteer students and teachers. Later, the army and police forces became involved, with planes, helicopters ordered to join the operation. On the 26th of February, 
The searchers found the group's abandoned and badly damaged tent on Kielt. The campsite baffled the search party. A student who found the tent said the tent was half torn down and covered with snow. It was empty and all the group's belongings and shoes have been left behind. Investigators said the tent had been cut open from inside. Nine sets of footprints left by people wearing only socks or a single shoe or even barefoot could be followed, leading down to the edge of a nearby wooded area in the opposite side of the pass, and it was 1.5 kilometers to the northeast. After 1,600 feet, these tracks were covered with snow at the forest edge under a large Siberian pine. The searchers found the visible remains of a small fire. There were the first two bodies, those of Zenea and Yori Dor, uh, Doriskin. They were shoeless and dressed only in underwear. The branches on the trees were broken up to five meters high, suggesting that one of the skiers had climbed up to look for something, uh, perhaps the camp. So between the pine and the camp, the searchers found three more corpses. They all died in poses, suggesting that they were attempting to return to the tent. They were found at distances of 300, 480, and 630 meters from the trees. Finding the remaining four travelers took more than two months. They were finally found on the 4th of May under four meters of snow. Uh, three of the four were better dressed than the others, and there were signs that some clothing of those who had died had been removed or used by the others. Now, medical examination said that all had died of hypothermia. Rustum had a small crack on his head, but it's believed that that was not a fatal wound at all. An examination of the four bodies found in May shifted the narrative of the incident. Three of the hikers had fatal injuries. One had a major skull fracture, and the other two had major chest fractures. According to Boris, the force required to cause such damage would have been extremely high comparable to that of a car crash. Notably, the bodies had no external wounds associated with the bone fractures, as if they had been subjugated to a high level of pressure. All four bodies found at the bottom of the creek in a running stream of water had soft tissue damage to their head and face. Ludmila, she was missing her tongue, eyes, part of the lips, as well as facial tissue and a fragment of skull bone. Zerotbiv uh, had his eyeballs missing, and Alexander Kolbatov, he had his eyebrows were missing. So the forensic expert performing the post-mortem examination judged that these injuries happened post-mortem due to the location of the bodies in the stream. A lot of people at first believed it was the Mansi people who were reindeer herders and local to the area. They believed that they were attacked and murdered the group for encroaching upon their land. Though after interrogating several of the Mansi people, uh, the investigators was like, nah, this, uh, none of this supports the hypotheses. Only the hikers' footprints were visible and they showed no signs of hand-to-hand -hand struggle. The temperatures were very low at that time between negative 25 to negative 30 Celsius or negative 13 to negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit. 
The dead were only partially dressed. Some had only one shoe, while others wore only socks. Some were found wrapped in snips of ripped clothes that seemed to have been cut from those who were already dead. Journalists reporting six of the group members died from hypothermia and three of fatal injuries. There's no indication of other people nearby. The tent had been ripped open from within. The victims had died six to eight hours after their last meal. Traces from the camp showed that all group members left the campsite of their own accord on foot. Some levels of radiation were found on one victim's clothing. To dispel the theory of an attack by the indigenous Mansi people, Verxen Denny stated that the fatal injuries of the three bodies could not have been caused by human beings because the force of the blow had been too strong and no soft tissue had been damaged. Release documents contain no information about the conditions of the skiers' internal organs. And, of course, there were no survivors. So, at the time, the official conclusion was the group members had died because of a compelling natural force. So, the inquest officially ceased in May 1959 as a result of the absence of a guilty party. The files were sent to a secret archive. So, now after I butchered everything, what are you guys' thoughts? Hypothermia. Show's over. <laughs> you do have to say your list of injuries is pretty funny. Like, oh, brute force, smashing a skull, missing eyeballs, you know, all this stuff. And then the one dude missing his eyebrows. That was all yeah. that was wrong with him. <laughs> like, <laughs> so someone's like, smash your head, rip your eyeballs out. I'm going to shave your eyebrows. Like, <laughs> Who's just sitting there like, that's a nice set of eyebrows. <laughs> Anyways, and I might have got a couple names mixed up. A lot of them were very similar. <laughs> I honestly don't know if the names add much to the story. You could have just said nine hikers. <laughs> well, you know, some people want to know which ones were found where and all that. So, yeah. But now, again, I said this. there's been a lot of speculation. There's been conspiracy theories surrounding it, paranormal surrounding it. Um, apparently, one witness... Uh, attested to lights in the area around that time. And so aliens have been um, brought into, well, not brought in, like they didn't bring in aliens to be expert witnesses on if this was an alien attack, but they've been brought into the conversation as far as, like, do you think aliens caused it? There's been talk that maybe it was a Yeti that did it. Um, Then just some crazy event happened to conspiracy theories of the Russian military was known to just drop ordnance and certain like bombs caused the issue. So. Well, you did mention only one of them had radiation on them. Yeah. Only, only one. Uh, Now that's kind of odd because I mean, I'm assuming there was nothing around them that would have got into something. Mm Mm-mm. And being in the 50s, like, I think today I would dismiss that a little more. You know, if traces of radiation were found, I'm like, shit, Josh has a whole cabinet of radiated <laughs> dishware. Right. <laughs> I got me a new piece today, too, for $1.50. Oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that, that was one thing that stuck out to me is, like, where did the radiation come from? And it's only on the one person. So my thing is, if 
if there's going to be a traces left on you, wouldn't there be traces on other people, especially since they all slept in the same tent? Right. Which also, I'm assuming the tent had a zipper, and there was no reason for them to cut out of it. Being the 50s, it might not have had a zipper. It might have been tied. Um, well, well, even so, I mean, it seems easier than just cutting out of the side. So, so do, do you want to know? They finally closed the case in 2021. All right. Or in 2020, my bad. Um. Do you want to know what the uh, what they found was the cause? <clears throat> yes. An avalanche. Were they covered in snow when they found? Only the four by the river were. I mean, that's a possibility. Uh, it could be a thing. Get tossed around in the snow, bang your head on a rock, lose your eyebrows to a <laughs> stick. I don't, you know. <laughs> So uh, eyebrows, man. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> but with so, an avalanche, why would they cut out of the tent and walk off into the woods barefoot? Well, I mean, I guess if you're trying to get away from it quick enough. So, yeah, so they panic, panic, make you do some crazy shit, okay. I guess. So they hear it coming, cut out, and just run to the woods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously couldn't make it far enough, maybe? Yeah, but the thing is, is... Because some people believe what happened is they wound up maybe not going their exact separate ways, but kind of went back to that area where they were trying to make that fire, uh, that little campfire in the woods. Mm -hmm. And so the people that were found in the stream had more clothes on them, like more jackets and stuff like that. So one theory is they tried to make it back to the tent to get other clothes and stuff maybe for the other people who didn't have anything and to gather up some stuff so and that they got swept up in the avalanche now I don't I don't know how fast avalanches really move so I don't know what the possibilities of that was plus wouldn't you wait until after the avalanche is done and then be like okay I'm going to go back you know yeah. But that's one theory. I have to say, this really sounds like a Predator movie. <laughs> Where they were all, you know, the, the people that lasted the longest have taken, or, uh, taken clothes off of their fallen comrades. You got the tree limbs that were broken from something climbing up. You have some that were mutilated, some that were just dead. It, it just feels like the predator popped up in their tent and was just chasing them around. That would explain the one with radiation. He got him with some kind of like dart and took him out. <laughs> yeah. So now uh, an original uh, explanation is uh, some people believed it was a Yeti. And of course, uh, American skeptic author, Benjamin Ratford suggested an avalanche is more possible. So he believed the group woke up in a panic and cut their way out of the tent either because of an avalanche had covered the entrance to their tent or because they were scared that an avalanche was imminent. Uh, Better to have a potential repairable slit in a tent than risk being buried alive and under tons of snow. Uh, They were poorly clothed because they had been sleeping and ran to 
the safety of the nearby woods where trees would help slow oncoming snow. In the darkness of night, they got separated into two or three groups. One group made a fire, hence the burned hands, uh, while the others tried to return to the tent to recover their clothing since the danger had passed. But it was too cold, and they all froze to death before they could locate their tent in the darkness. At some point, some of the clothes may have been recovered or swapped from the dead. But at any rate, the group of four whose bodies were most severely damaged were caught in an avalanche and buried under four meters of snow, more than enough to account for the compelling natural force the medical examiner described. So, uh, and in one tongue, the, the lady's tongue was likely removed by scavengers and ordinary pred uh, predation. So, that's according to, I guess it's uh, <clears throat> Benjamin Ratford. So, but now there's contradictory evidence for an avalanche. <clears throat> so, the evidence contradicting the avalanche theory includes the location of the incident did not have any obvious signs of an avalanche having taken place. An, evidence, an avalanche would have left certain patterns and debris uh, distributed over a wide area. The bodies found within a month of the event were covered with very shallow layers of snow and there had uh there had been an avalanche of significant strength to sweep away the second party these bodies would have been swept away as well this would have caused more serious and difficult or different injuries in the process and would have damaged the tree line over 100 expeditions to the region had been held since the incident, and none of them have reported conditions that might create an avalanche. A study of the area using up-to-date terrain-related physics revealed that the location was entirely unlikely for such an avalanche to have occurred. The dangerous conditions found in another nearby area, which had significantly steeper slopes and <clears throat> crevices, were observed in April and May when the snowfalls of winter were melting. During February, when the incident occurred, there was no such conditions. An analyst of the terrain and the slope showed that even if there could have been a very specific avalanche that found its way to the area, its path would have gone past the tent. The tent had collapsed from the side, not, but not in a horizontal direction. Dyatlov was an experienced skier, and the much older Ziatrov, the, the other guy, um, was studying for his master's certification in ski instruction and mountain hiking. Neither of the two men would have been likely to camp anywhere in the path of the potential avalanche, of a potential avalanche. Footprint patterns leading away from the tent were inconsistent with someone, let alone a group of nine people running in panic from either real or imagined danger. All the footprints leading away from the tent and towards the woods were consistent with individuals who were walking at a normal pace. Well, you don't need yeah. us for this. <laughs> You got all the evidence and the contradictory evidence. Well, we don't need we don't need anything. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just that's the contradictory to the avalanche. So let's say it's not an avalanche, okay? 
What do y'all think it could have been? Eyebrow thieves. <laughs> Sorry, I'll get off of it now. Sorry. You really are about that eyebrow. I don't. It's well. Why was his eyebrows oh, taken? Hang on. Alright, so what were we talking about? Dead peeps? Yeah, something Memphis. about snow in Russia. Uh, yeah. Do you guys think it was a Yeti? I think a Yeti would have left footprints. Yeah. Yeah, and not left radiation and not lured them out of the tent. Yeah. And another thing, if it was natural predation, okay, mm-hmm. wouldn't there be animal tracks that they would have been like, oh yeah, that's it. Well, I mean, Animals yeah. Got to it. Well, now when they found the other ones, uh, because the four bodies that had the predation was found in May after snow melt. Oh, okay. so. But at that point, I don't. Would animals eat a rotten corpse at that point? I mean, besides flies and maggots and whatnot, but. Well, I mean, I, I would think that they would come back. I mean, of course, if it got buried in snow. How much, how rotted could it have been being negative, you know, let's say below zero, right? But I mean, still, why wasn't any of them like drug away? Like more than just what little pieces were missing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard this story quite a few times and I've always found it to be weird that their ideas as to what happened, like they don't really make sense if you write it down and look at it. They don't really make sense at all. mm like uh, the avalanche is probably the closest thing that makes sense. Um, uh, I don't know about the one tree they found where it was. You said the sticks were broke five meters above, which is insane that somebody would have. What is that in feet? Like close to fifteen feet? I don't. I don't oh, know what what, it is. one meter is three feet. Yeah. So. So close to fifteen feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, five meters. 16 and a half feet. Mm. So you're telling me somebody climbed 16 and a half feet in the air to, yeah. for what? Like yeah, the break, to break break things. That is insane. With almost no clothes on and negative 20 degrees. Eh. Well, I mean, I, I get the hypothermia. I do. Yeah. You know, um, and also, like I, and I think we talked about it before in the later stages of hypothermia, it's been known for people who would start to remove their clothes because it's believed that um, the reason you get frostbite on like your hands, nose, and all that is because your body is removing the blood from those areas to your core, like your heart, brain, all that, to keep it warm, and then pretty much it's your body just being like okay we we can't do this anymore you're you're dead you're you're going to die and it just releases the blood and that's why you get this hot rush is cuz all that blood is flowing back into all your extremities and you just start feeling on fire so yeah <clears throat> so that could explain for some of the clothes loss you know now what about the shirali the shirali Yes, the indigenous Tartar Tartar peoples of Russia. That was a creature from their their folklore. 
that could lure people out into the woods and into the bushes and stuff like that. So that would explain getting them out of the tent. Now, yeah. Shirali, the version of this cryptid, they have numerous similar ones, but Shirali is just the first name that I, I come across. It's said to tickle people to death. <laughs> now, I know that sounds a little weird, but if you're getting tickled out there, you can fall and bash your head. You can bite off your own tongue. You can fall in the fire and burn your hand. And who's to say that this cryptid doesn't have some sort of radioactive uh, characteristics? So maybe somebody wasn't ticklish, and so it had to ramp up its power. And there you get that hint of radioactiveness on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that was something that was never discussed in there. So, like I said, mostly with the paranormal, it dealt more with, like, some type of paranormal force or a Yeti or alien. So, yeah, I mean, it's a new thing to suggest. Yeah, that's it. They were tickled to death. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that actually sounds horrible. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, my God. You just That's a new way of torture. You just... Think about it. It's kind torture, too. Like, it's not like you're torturing that person. Why? I'm tickling them with the feather. Like, all you do is just have a feather tickle somebody like random places, you know, (laughs) and they're just bound. So. Oh, right. But think if it's to the point you're biting off your tongue and bashing your head, that could even been it. They ran to a tree and they were just like bashing their face into a tree to make the tickling stop. Man, that's a horror movie right there. Yeah. Especially if, like, you can't see it. And the Shirali can shapeshift as well. So it could have definitely been luring them out and kept shifting to to get to them. I'm not sure how long we've documented orphan sources, but I've heard heard a story about um, a man in particular found an orphan source. It it was cold out in the... it emitted heat, so he put it on his back. Of course, not a good idea. It killed him. But if it was something tiny, like, you know, maybe the size of a small rock or something, you know, and it was just shining, and one of these, and this person happened to find it, um, that's a huge possibility of why he had, you know, some kind of radiation on him. He had a small source of uh, radiological isotope that he found i don't really know but i mean that could it would explain why he only had it and nobody else if it was small enough you know what i mean like we mentioned my uranium glass it it, you know if it had it in my pocket you know you hold it long enough it's gonna emit some sort of radiation into your body and it could be you know what if and to go with that uh same thing what if it was uh uranium in a rock or not in a rock, but in a, a watch or oh, yeah. something like that, you know, because um, they would put uranium pretty much in everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, could have had an uranium Coke bottle or something. Probably not. It was the 50s. So it was the height of the Soviet Union. <laughs> but something to that effect, you know. So, yeah. yeah. But I think that's why a lot of people think it's either military or alien, uh, but just because of that one person with radiation. But I feel like if it was either one, like, wouldn't the others have radiation on them? I think too. So, um, 
I don't know a lot about radiation. This is your wheelhouse, Josh. But the the thing that detects a is a Geiger counter, right? Yeah. Um. Now I know in the paranormal world that's used sometimes to detect ghosts as well. So there's something about radioactive uh, characteristics that transcend just what we know about it and into the paranormal. So a ghost? You think <laughs> there's some mountain ghost maybe? It was nicknamed the Silent Pass. Um, death, death Mountain or Dead Pass or something like that. I wonder, too, to go a step further with that, do people that have been possessed, do they have traces of radiation on them after? Has anyone ever tested that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. Now, I'd say that's especially worth pondering if the guy who had radiation on him was one of the ones found by the river, one of those last four. Can you verify, Tommy? Let me see. Hang on. Because maybe that's all it is. That would explain all of it. Leaving the tent, the random murders of dude was just possessed. All right. And then I'm not finding anything about possessed people being tested for that. That should be something we... Not like we can just find a random possessed person and try. But <laughs> Call up Zach Baggins. He should be fucking glowing. <laughs> But back to, you know, everyone saying aliens, I I don't, I really don't. This doesn't feel like alien type stuff to me at all. No, it don't scream alien to me either. I, I know I joked about the predator, but that, that's what it would have to have been. Just a rogue, violent, you know, species that we haven't encountered, you know, frequently. The, but I think our, our inner earth friendly alien people would have came out and stopped that or. Something, if something that violent had visited Earth. Yeah. Been some kind of warning or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's obvious that it was no, like, natural predator attack because mm-hmm. somebody would have been eaten. The one person that I have to question is, uh, uh, I guess you say Dubanina is how you say her last name. Um Sure. The one she who had was internal her bleeding tongue? from, huh? The one who was missing her tongue? Is that the one? I, I don't know. This this says internal bleeding from severe chest trauma. Mm. So, like, where'd that come from? Like, did somebody smack her with a tree? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like um, Simon, or Alexander, I guess you could say. You know, he had severe chest trauma, so... No, this just says hypothermia. Yeah. Uh, it's from that tickling. You get tickled to death, man, the internal bleeding. I'm believing that more and more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would kind of suck. Could you uh, imagine like being tickled internally? You're like, stop! And you're just, like, right. <laughs> just beat yourself to death. That's probably what happened. Right. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. And I especially, I keep coming back to that tree, because what was it? You said five meters or 15 feet or something. Yeah. I can't remember. And you guys have been out in the cold with your bare hands and feet. There is no way you're climbing that high in a tree. No, no. way in hell. No. So there had to have been something else out there. Especially considering that most of them were wearing socks or no shoes. Or right. Nothing on their feet. And only a couple of them had like one shoe. So I just, yeah, I mean... Your feet are frozen. Your hands are frozen. You done went, what did I, uh, what did I say? That's like 
almost a mile to that tree line at about negative 22 degrees. Yeah, they they were probably barely even able to make a fist at that point. Right. And and this says that uh, Kravani Shinko and Doro Shinko were shoeless and dressed only in underwear at the (laughs) bottom of that tree. No. No. I am. No, I love I I love the cold, but even that is gonna stop me. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, when you hit negative, when you hit negative ten, let's just say that because I work in walk-in freezers a lot, it takes no time at all, and I'm I'm not one to wear a jacket, but it takes no time at all to get real fucking cold in there. Your hands start to hurt; they start they lose function. And when you walk out of that, like if you've been in there for even like thirty minutes or so. It's weird. It's like your body's going through like a defrost thing, you know, and like you're sitting out in the sun, hundred degree temperature, and your body's just like, it's it's hard to describe. Josh knows what I'm talking about, but it's hard to describe like the feeling you get. It's like every like your blood is all just rushing throughout your whole body. Oh yeah, it's even weird. leaving even leaving the freezer and going to like the walk in cooler, which is usually around thirty five degrees. It is a huge temperature difference, and yeah, you you would feel it. Yeah, it's mm. it's it's like walking into a sauna. It's weird. <laughs> um but yeah, I don't I don't know. This uh, I feel like at least the two people next to that tree were possibly dragged to that tree. I don't know. I don't know the extent of their damages to their body, so. I th- I think they just got hypothermia and I think they had the burnt hands as well. So I don't. I don't think it's aliens. I don't think it's Yeti. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a Yeti, just because there's no footprints of a Yeti, um, unless there are and they're just hiding it. It's a possibility. But with the evidence shown, I don't think it was a Yeti. Um, I'm kind of iffy on the military tests, just because like. It would make sense, Soviet Russia. They didn't care about their people at all around that time. You look at what the Soviet Union did to people where Stalin put people in like these camps on an island and didn't feed them. Like, it got crazy. It wouldn't surprise me if they're like, oh, we blew up people. Is this the same area that like that crazy sleep experiment that you always hear about happened? Or nah, like they, I, th- I think that was in Siberia. Was it? Yeah, I don't know how far away. Um, very well. The Atlov Pass is from Siberia. Wow, there was a body found up to two thousand feet away from the original spot. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a long ways. That's like almost half a mile. Man, looking at maps, it always amazes me how big Russia is. Mm-hmm. I also love looking how close it is to Alaska. It's like that 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 <laughs> painting, you know, with the Sistine Chapel painting with God and man just <laughs> yeah. reaching out to touch fingers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should just build a bridge right there. Yeah. I, at one point in our lives, I don't know in our lives, but you, they used it as a pass at some point in history. Hmm. I remember it's got a name and you used to be able to walk all the way to Russia. That's oh, it. What about these uh, Mansi people? Mansi, how do you, however you pronounce it? 
Well, I mean, they they kind of ruled them out. Um, their indigenous tribe they uh, hunt reindeer or herd reindeer. Um, so, I mean, they they could have. I'm not saying they didn't, but. I mean, again, with no tracks leading to the people, and there's everybody else died of hypothermia, no. and only a few with uh, actual injuries. I mean, I kind of agree. I don't think it was them, unless maybe they to have some power. Well, being isolated like that, there's who's to say that they didn't. You know, befriend something. That's true. You know? One of those things, like, it could be this or that. You know, it could be that the avalanche took them out, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know how steep the mountain was or where they were on said mountain that just, you know, there was any given flat spots, you know? If it was all in it, all a big slope. So up until the point of the incident, let's say, there was no like wasn't somebody with a didn't somebody have a journal? Oh, now they were keeping like uh, a type of journal, so people would be like yeah. every day or so somebody would fill out like well, today we walked twenty six meters. North northeast or something, you know. Um, yeah. So nothing like okay today, uh, Diatlov was losing his fucking mind, and they did have some stuff like that, but nothing like crazy. Like they'd just be mad, like Diatlov um, wouldn't uh, talk to me or something. So, but it, it, nothing like it, it didn't say anything about like anybody losing their mind or anything like that. Or somebody was going crazy. It was pretty much like yeah. I'm taking over somebody else's watch when I I had mine last night. Or this person's lazy and not doing what they were supposed to do. So So no so no personal journal. None that I could find. Of course those could all be kind of sealed away. Or they didn't have anything to right. where you know um, of sub- substantial for the investigation. So. Yeah. And, and I'm assuming these people are all from this area relatively, right? That they're... Um, I would say they're, they're Ural, um, which... So they're not... They're not unaccustomed to negative 20 degrees. Yeah, yeah, they're not unco- un- uh, uh, uncustom to it. So they, you know, yeah. It, yeah. So it's, I guess you would say, if you look at the Ural region in Russia, um, I would say it's kind of almost in the middle area. Mm-hmm. I know this isn't true, but like I see Russia just like I see Canada, like it's just a giant block of snow, like it never defrosts, it's always frozen. <laughs> like I know that's not true, but like every time somebody mentions that, I'm like, ah, frozen tundra, I got it. 
Yeah, I mean, you're looking at temperatures at negative 6 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, and in the south of the area, it averages at uh, 5 degrees. No. Okay. So, yeah. And that's in January, the average temperature. Yeah, I think we looked into the average temperature of Canada in one other episode when we were talking about Wendigos or something, I think. Or maybe the headless. Maybe we were talking about that. Uh... Man! Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I'm going to go live here. Do you know what the average temperature in July is? Hmm. Between 50 and 72 degrees. Oh, shit. I could deal with that. Right. Too bad it's in Russia, though. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Um, so I'm looking here at uh, Thibodeau Briganali's at the skull damage. He was the guy with the skull damage. And then uh, Dubanina and then Bilotarov, however you say that, um, this guy, they're comparing these body bodily damages to having a car crash, but there were no external wounds. How did the guy have major skull damage but no external wounds? Uh, I think that's what they're 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 kind of saying in a way of like, oh well, that that explains the avalanche. It hit so hard with so much pressure. Man, that yeah. there would have to be a fucking immense amount of snow to crush somebody like that. Like a barium, yeah, but to crush them, I mean, you you would have to swim down a good ways in the ocean to get crushed like that. And snow is uh, inherently lighter than a water molecule. So I don't know that that to me would throw the whole avalanche thing straight out the window. Yeah. Well, let's let's go. Do you think somebody killed them all? Like, as if one of the other people, and I think that's what you were trying to get at, Josh, with the diary, wasn't it? Like, if maybe Dyatlov or um, somebody else just went mad. and That was kind of one of my thoughts. I mean, you you put nine people together in a very, a very extreme situation. Um, Not everybody can handle it, whether they think they can or not. Mm-hmm. That's what made me think. Like maybe somebody just lost their fucking mind, and this, you know. Yeah. I, don't I think know. then they'd still have the external damage, though. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, what do you think about like maybe it was? But there would be evidence of them dropping bombs on top of them, because a lot of it right. is like the military dropped bombs on top of them. But Again, you would external see, damage. That, yeah. Yeah. That I throws mean, that out the window. So, I'm really thinking like the crushed idea. What if this is a Yeti style creature that was able to like you know grab them and just squeeze them until it just you know that would explain the non-external or the the no external damage at least yeah, to the but, three. But then, what about no footprints though? Wouldn't there be footprint? And I'm kind of. Well, maybe he followed those three and that got washed away, you know, um, and the other ones were just running for their lives, got separated and then died of hypothermia. That's from the Yeti. Because they weren't, yeah. they weren't damaged in any kind of way, right? 
No, it was mostly hypothermia. I think the ones had the burnt hands, and that's probably because they were trying to get the you know warm their hands by the fire. They were trying or, to get a fire going, or they're like they reached in there to grab something to ward off something, and it didn't work out for them. That's true. That's true. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, so far the only ones with major injuries were the ones at the stream. So, yeah. and that explains it. The Yeti shaved that man's eyebrows off. Right. He's like, bitch, if I can't have eyebrows, you can't either. <laughs> Maybe he has bushy eyebrows and the other guy had bushy eyebrows and it was like, I can't. No. I have the bushiest. Yeah. <sighs> he got his Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. <laughs> not sponsored but hey we'll take it <laughs> yeah right <laughs> by the way have you checked to see how much that stuff is oh I have one uh, it's awesome <laughs> I'm not <laughs> what are they like a hundred bucks or something mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I just can't do it I can't do it yeah they're pretty good though anyway it's not sponsored <laughs> <laughs> but we wish we were <laughs> yeah I think you know, probably at a point to give our final thoughts or yeah, I want to say something else. I think we're good. Yep. Who wants to go first with their final thoughts? Uh, Shane, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, so yeah, as that, you know, we, we beat it over and over. No way. It was an avalanche. No way. It was bombs. No way. One of them went crazy. Um, I, even with that, I rule out the possession because a possessed human would still cause external damage. Um, uh, not alien style. I, I, I don't know. It, everything's a big fat no to me, except for something we don't know about. Cause I'd, I'd still say, I don't believe it was a Yeti because I, I think it could have caused some of the damage, but it, I know we joke, but I don't think it would shave eyebrows or cut out tongues or uh or even or even climb a tree for that matter uh, that just seems seems odd um uh, but i do believe it was some kind of cryptid i joke joke pretty much joked about the shirali earlier you know and them being tickled to death but could be a variation of that maybe the thing evolved through time uh but i think whatever it was was probably of this earth so some sort of cryptid native to Earth, and it was playing a game. It wasn't wasn't trying to eat. It wasn't uh, angry. It was playing a game. That's what all this looks like to me. Uh, so, I, and I say of this Earth cryptid, and you know that could even be fairies. It could have been a rogue group of fairies that are like, hey, this is fun. You know, let's fly in this one's mouth and cut out their tongue or fly in their young lungs and do a little magic explosion and fly back out to cause the eternal internal bleeding and something weird. But I'd say definitely earthbound cryptid having sadistic fun is where I land. That's definitely how it seems. That is a hundred percent how it seems because there was no evidence of it being for food because they're still intact. So yeah, I think I think I'm on the same page with Shane. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there was no Yeti out there shaving eyebrows for fun. Um, <laughs> speaking of Yetis, I mean, realistically, how many stories have you heard of a of of a Yeti or a Bigfoot or anything of that nature um, being violent? 
I mean, I've I've heard a couple, but most of them are like on like um, monsters and mysteries in America or some oh, type well. of monster show, you know, and you get that yeah. one person's like, I was camping and then it was throwing rocks at me or, you know, things <laughs> like that. But, it, it, but most of it seems more territorial as far as just get out of here. No real attacks. Is, yeah. You know, have been stated, you know, right. But that's just one of those things. Like you never really hear stories of Yetis being violent, but it, there's a possibility that, like Shane said, that there was something there that was like, y'all are not supposed to be here. This is my house. And mm. took care of them. I mean, the three that didn't get away. Um, and proved his point significantly by crushing them. It's like, or her point. Or hers. We don't judge. Um, but yeah, anyways, that's my final thoughts. I think I'm... Um... I don't know. The conspiracy theory side of me thinks it was the Russian government did something and covered it up. Um, Gravitational machine. It's like, let's see if this works. Turn it on. I mean, <laughs> you know, around that time, uh, you know, the Soviet Union was doing a lot of things like, um, like experimenting with gene crossing to make super soldiers and things of that. You know, they had experimented with that. That's proven evidence. Um, mm-hmm. You know, trying to make like human apes i don't know what they were doing <laughs> um so i just say one of those things didn't get loose uh right. that's really what the yeti is uh yeah but um i do think i, I want to say it was the government covering it up with something either they i just i don't know about explosions though because if they were bombs exploding overhead i feel like there would be more damage than to just one tree Right. So, um, plus, I feel like there you would have you would have seen more damage. So, but, yeah. yeah, avalanche, avalanche makes sense if you're looking for something to make sense. Um, so, other than that, I I really just don't know. So that's my final thoughts. I just don't know. All right, everybody. If you enjoyed this talk and hearing me butcher all these uh, Russian words and all that, and then Josh say him like he's fluent in it. Um, hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Rate us. Tell us what you liked about the episode or didn't like about the episode. If you want to make fun of me, go for it. Just put it down in the comments. So um, check us out on all social media platforms except for IG. And uh, <laughs> check out our merch shop on Etsy, Paranormal Minds. And... Yeah, as always, tell us what you think.